Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. And we're back. After a nice little summer break, we are back with more of your favorite InterVarsity alumni podcast, After Four. And whether you've been here for a while or you're a first-time listener, welcome. I'm your host, John Steele, and I am so glad you're here. Okay, I don't want to talk your ear off too much before we jump into today's amazing conversation, but I did want to give you a heads up just in case anything crazy happens over the next few weeks. So, my wife Caitlin and I are expecting a new baby any day now. Woohoo! Very exciting. In fact, it's possible that as you listen to this episode, that baby has already come. I don't know. I'm recording in advance to prepare for such eventualities. I'm doing my absolute best to have episodes up and running far enough in advance that there will be no lapse in weekly drops while I'm on paternity leave. But, when you're running a not totally but predominantly solo operation and you go on paternity leave while your only other part-time partner in crime just got married and is rightfully away from her desk for a while, that leaves a few potential vulnerabilities. So, Hopefully you won't even know I'm gone, but if some Tuesday morning comes around and your newest episode of After Four isn't waiting in your podcast queue, you know that that baby caught us off guard. But I promise things will be up and running again shortly after. Hopefully we won't have to worry about that though. Okay, what do you say we cut to the chase today and get you to our guest because today's conversation is a real treat. Tell me this, have you ever wondered what goes on in the mind of the president of your favorite campus ministry? Ever wondered about the origins of his faith story or how he would interact with coworkers if he worked in the public sector? Do you wonder if, given the chance, what he might say to alumni like us to encourage us in our post-college journey with Jesus? Well, wonder no more. Today, Harvard College alumnus and president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Tom Lynn, joins us on the podcast and lays these questions along with many others to rest. It was a huge honor and a lot of fun to chat with Tom, and I'm so excited to share that conversation with you today. So, without any further ado, here is Tom Lynn. This one is for you, alumni. Tom Lynn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Great to be here with you. I'm excited to have you. I promise not to use your first and last name every time I address you, but I have to know before we jump in, are there any titles that people have for you at the NSC? Do they call you Mr. President or POTIV, perhaps, anything like that? <laughs> Most people call me Tom, and a few people call me Mr. President, but mostly when we're just having fun. <laughs> okay. Well, then we'll keep it casual today, just Tom and John on a conversation together. I do actually have a message for you as well. A previous guest, Michael Lopez from your Harvard InterVarsity days, he was on the podcast and he told me to say hello to you the next time that I spoke with you. And so I sort of laughed inside thinking, what am I going to talk to Tom Lynn? But I said, okay, next time I see him, I will say hello. And here we are. So Michael sends his regards, Tom. Oh, that's great. Well, if Michael's listening today, hello to Michael. And I'm sure there's a lot of alumni friends over the years that maybe I could say hi to as well today. Yes, that's great. Well, Tom, as if you need any introduction, would you indulge me here and just give a short introduction to yourself? Tell us about your family, what you do with InterVarsity, what you've done in the past. Who are you, Tom? 
Yeah, be glad to. I mean, in terms of family, maybe the family I grew up in first, one of two sons. I'm the oldest son, but I've got a younger brother who lives out in the West Coast, in the Bay Area before, and now lives in Oregon. My parents were both immigrants from Taiwan who moved to the United States in the late 60s. I was born and raised in Chicago. That's where our family lived for all of my childhood. And my dad's still living today. He lives in the Chicago area, healthy, and I'm grateful for that. My family, my wife, Nancy, and I got married 23 years ago. We actually met on staff with InterVarsity. She's Korean in background. I'm Taiwanese. And so we call our kids Tyrian kids, half Taiwanese, half (laughs) Korean kids. That's awesome. I've got two daughters, Abby and Olivia, 17 years old and 15 years old. So they're teenagers and love being a dad to them. We have a lot of fun together. In my day job, of course, I I serve as the president of InterVarsity. I've had a lot of previous roles though in university as well because I've been around for a while. I started as a campus staff worker and planted some chapters at different campuses, lived in different parts of the country. First, I started in Boston, but then I lived in the Bay Area. And then eventually my wife and I moved to Mongolia. We served overseas doing campus ministry and then back to the Midwest, Missouri. So I was a regional director in the central region of the United States and moved to Madison. 11 years ago to take the vice president of missions job, which is directing Urbana and directing all of our overseas ministry and started as president six years ago. Yes. Urbana 12 was my first Urbana. And that would have been my first introduction to you, Tom, was seeing you on stage, welcoming everyone and giving us some idea of where we were going to be going for our time together. And so it's been fun to be able to see as your role has developed and to be in the place where you are now and to be able to follow in your leadership. That's been really wonderful. So you said that you were in the central region for a while. That means you also know one of our other previous guests, Choma, who joined us and told us about some of her experiences in law school and what she's doing now with her law degree after being on staff with InterVarsity. So all sorts of ties to guests that we've had on the podcast recently. That's pretty exciting. Yes, I do know Choma. She was on staff in our region at the time. And I think she was from SUNY Geneseo originally, yes. part of InterVarsity chapter over there. And then as we often do have staff who work in different parts of the country from where they graduated and Choma was one of them. So Tom, this being an alumni podcast, one of the things that we like to do is we like to step into the past a little bit, think about our college days, reminisce, get nostalgic. Tell me just a little bit about your time in college, Tom. Where did you go to school? What did you study? When did you graduate? Yeah, I went to Harvard College in Boston. So you know, very formative time for me. I went to school not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, not really knowing what to study. My default study was economics. So I majored in economics because I thought it'd cover a lot of bases and I could do corporate law or business or something else. And then I graduated in 1994. A great experience in college. Of course, as some would say, majored in university, actually, even though I majored <laughs> in economics, spent a lot of time within a varsity chapter and really flourished in my faith while I was in school had a very similar experience in my grad school. That was my first experience with InterVarsity was with an undergrad chapter. And it was pretty amazing the ratio of time spent with grad school stuff compared to how much time I spent with InterVarsity. It was much more than I would have anticipated. Felt like I was I was there for everything. I will say for me, it was a saving grace for sure, going to school and getting to be able to have an InterVarsity experience during my grad program. 
Tom, as president, it's really easy to look at you and think, well, Tom's always been around. We've seen him all over the place, but that's obviously not true. There was a start to your time with InterVarsity, and I'd love to hear that story. Can you share with us just how you got connected as a student and maybe some standout memories to you from your time as a student with InterVarsity? Yeah, I, I went to school not knowing anything about InterVarsity, not necessarily looking for a Christian fellowship, but it was at the New Student Activities Fair where all the clubs were around, where I signed my name on some piece of paper. <laughs> yes. And InterVarsity followed up. And the chapter invited me to different things. There was a large group meeting that I attended and people visited my dorms. And so my first impression was there's, you know, some friendly people here and it was good. And so I went there, but I would say, you know, it was one of many activities that I did. And it wasn't until a few months in that I started wrestling with deeper questions about where was my community at college? Who really cared about me? What's really worth my time? And it was InterVarsity students who were the most persistent, consistent in relationship. I remember my birthday came and they came to my dorm, surprised me with something, wanted to take me out. And I was so struck by that because I never felt like I reciprocated. I did not give them that much of myself, but they still gave me everything and served me in ways that just surprised me. And then I would say I was challenged to join a Mark study, a study of the gospel of Mark for a full year. And that really got used to change my faith. So I started attending this weekly Bible study where I was encountering Jesus, really, it felt like for the first time, who is Jesus and what does he expect of me? What does, it mean, what does it mean to make him truly Lord of my life? And, you know, I gave him my life through that Mark study. So I really appreciated InterVarsity's teaching me the scriptures and the student leaders who guided me there, as well as, as I mentioned, connected with me relationally. So, and those two things, which I know are true of many countless university graduates, it's the scripture study, the times of engaging God's word in community, and then the leaders that I met, the student leaders that reached out to me and really made a huge difference in my life. Was InterVarsity staff the next stop for you after graduation, or did you have some gap time in between being a student and being on staff? Both. So actually, I, I did come on staff after I graduated. When After I graduated, I was like, well, what else... What else would I want to do with my time after graduate? <laughs> I thought if I could just keep serving students and not having to take classes, yes, I'll do that. Yes. You know, and so I was like, yeah, that's what I'll do after I graduate. So I came on campus staff right after graduation. But after five years, I did go work in the marketplace. So in Silicon Valley, I worked at Hewlett Packard and then I worked for a startup company. So this is those of you who are older during the dot com era. The boom time and the bust time <laughs> I was all part of. I remember having almost that exact same line of thinking, man, if I could stick around the college environment, hang out with students and not go to class, and if we can talk about Jesus and where they're going in their walk with him, that sounds pretty amazing. You quickly find out it doesn't exactly work like that. Campus staff is a little different than that sort of rhythm, but it was pretty close to getting to live the college life without getting to go to class. That's right. I loved it, though. I did. I loved it. 
so then you have all of these experiences with this chapter, these people that mean so much to you. You have this place where you step into this Mark study, these people that show how much they care about you. And then eventually over time, this leads you up to this time of transition, this graduation, this life after college, even if it's still spending time with students. Do you remember that transition being a significant challenge? Was it relatively smooth? Was it different going from student to staff and then from staff to the public sector? What was that like for you? And can you share a couple of stories about that for us? Yeah, I think the transition to life after college was, it was both of those. On one hand, coming on staff right away, it was smooth in terms of community. So I was lucky and it was certainly an intentional choice to live in community. So I lived with people who were part of my chapter, people who were part of the ministry. They were not all on staff, but they were graduates, they were alumni. And so we stayed in the same city. I stayed in the same church. Community was the same. And that's what was a significant part, I think, of making it a good transition to life after college. Now, I guess what was challenging was when I left Boston, as many alumni do, when, you, when I moved away from the campus and started working in the marketplace five years later, it was challenging. It was like crossing cultures, not just a new city, but new job, workplace culture is very different than school culture. And so I was faced with questions like, how do I live faithfully on mission? I, I knew what it was like on the college campus, but in the workplace, what does living faithfully on mission look like? And maybe I'll just share a couple of stories on how that looked, but it was challenging. And so like at Hewlett Packard, I realized, wow, this, this is going to have to be my community, like actually, or a part of it. I'm like, I'm here, I'm spending most of my time every single day, 40 hours a week or whatever with this group of people. And so how do I do outreach? I asked myself. And so at my desk, I remember I'd start organizing things like, raffles, you know, come to my desk, put in a raffle piece and you can win a free movie. Wow. I gave away free food. I would buy Krispy Kreme donuts every week and give it away (laughs) and people would come, you know, and I would have all sorts of contests and things like that because I wanted people to stop by the desk. I wanted to create a, a culture of fun and a sense of, hey, you know, we're all engaging with each other and I care about them as people. I started a noon prayer group and try to gather Christians to at least pray during noon. But the one thing I would say is even though those things helped me sort of meet the challenge, it was difficult because I was doing all this alone. So again, the lack of community is a big challenge. It was a big challenge going from the campus or in a varsity staff work where I had this great community to where I felt like I was doing all of this alone. And so that's some of my transition to life after college. So it sounds to me like there were some significant campus skills that came in pretty handy. It sounds like you were hosting NSO right at your desk. And (laughs) (laughs) that's right. Yeah. It's just a different mission field. Yeah. It's just a different mission field. So often we talk about contextualizing ministry. And I think sometimes it feels like it's a really big leap of, okay, you've got the basics, but it's going to be really different. And here it was almost like you found a way to even use pretty direct skills that you would have used on campus right there at your desk. That's pretty fantastic. But even so, having people come visit, eat donuts with you, get movies, things like that, there was still issues with community and finding community. Can you remember, was there a point when that shifted for you in this new setting where you started to feel like you were getting traction in meaningful community? Yeah, I mean, certainly it took, it takes time. So 
the other thing is, you know, it takes longer to build a relationship after college than it did during college. So I think that's important because people are older, they have other things going on. Some have families and such. You know, it took a couple of years where I could feel, you know, some level of depth and relationship with coworkers. It took some time to figure out my Christian community, you know, church community, all those things. So, you know, I think a couple of years, probably it, w- it wasn't in an instant. And again, it took longer than it took in college. Which feels like one of probably several takeaways from our conversation by the end of it, that community is a place where you just have to keep plugging away. You have to keep giving it time. Like you said, on campus, you get all of this time together, shared experiences that are so similar, people that are the same age as you asking a lot of the same questions. And then you move into a much more diverse setting with intergenerational working together in this space, people that are used to being in what's a new space for you. And you're feeling like, wow, this is totally different for me. And it's a matter of giving it time, exploring, and just continuing to try over and over and over again to develop that community. Yes, absolutely. I often try to tell alumni in the conversations that I have with them that I think sometimes you step into these places and you feel like you're just broken or you're really bad at being in life after college and just trying to remind again and again and again is like, you're not just bad at it. I mean, you might be bad at it because it's new for you, but so is everybody else that steps into this context. And so what you're experiencing is really normal and it's a matter of sticking with it and continuing on. That's right. Persevere. Yes. Yes. So as you think about the time that followed that initial transition period, and especially I would say the rest of that time, your 20s into your 30s, can you look back at that time and see how God was using that season to shape who you are and even who you're still becoming today? That period of life was the process of making my faith my own. You know, it's interesting that we often say that about college ministry, about You know, when students go to college, they're making their faith their own, but it's really continuing. So when you transition out of college, you're still in that process of making your faith your own because it's no longer dependent on your staff worker, no longer dependent on your InterVarsity chapter or your college friends who were right beside you every day for however many years you were at college. So the process of making my faith my own. And so in my 20s and 30s, I had to ask questions around, What are my values of community? What does mission look like to whatever context God brings me to? How can I live it out in every context that God brings me to? And so that set me up for for the rest of my life, because I'm always going to be asking that question, whatever context God puts me in, how do I live out my faith? And it is a lifelong process of always listening for God's call in every season of life and then obeying. And so I had to do that in my 20s and 30s. And I think it sets me up well for the rest of my life because in different seasons, he's going to call me to different types of things. And I got to be ready for that and learn how to respond to those challenges. So yeah, whatever challenges that I think we're all going through in our 20s and 30s, it's just a preparation for what you're going to continue to face the rest of your life. It's good preparation. You say that you were faced with a lot of really big questions. This feels like an age where we hear the term deconstruction all the time, that people are deconstructing, that they're being faced with questions they don't necessarily know the answers to. Any advice for people that are coming across some of those big questions and they're like, you know, I've been spending some time with this and it's just not, it's not making sense to me. And these are even some pretty foundational questions I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, they're good questions to wrestle with around what do I believe, right? I think it's challenging to, If we spend all our time on what we don't believe, that's a little bit, you get stuck, you know, 
But what do I believe? What values are rising to the top that are most important to me and I want to make my life about? If you've never done so in your 20s and 30s, write out a mission statement. At the end of your life, what do you want your life to be about? If you could have people talk about your life and say, these are the three values that I always saw this person live out throughout their whole life, what would those values be? So it's an important time of clarifying those things that we believe in and that are most important to us. And I think that's a healthy thing. It's a safe and appropriate time to be asking some of those big questions and it's okay to give them space to unfold and to be able to dig in, to step away, to step back in. We actually had a conversation with Paul Tokunaga a little while ago and he talked about the importance of our 20s being a place for experiencing lots of things, failing in lots of ways, and then being able to sort of dust ourselves off and keep going again. And I would think that even in the realm of asking big faith questions, it's sort of the same thing that, man, I've got these things that I'm wondering about. I wonder if this is the right answer to that question and going down that avenue, like, nope, that wasn't the right answer. And then picking yourself up and continuing to ask the question and and searching for those answers. That's right. And you're going to be tested in different ways and there's going to be disappointments and and they are going to test our faith. Do I really believe that God is good if these other unexpected things are happening to me in my 20s and 30s? If this relationship really hurts me or doesn't pan out or those who have children, if something happens to my child, those challenges will continue to shape our faith and they're important to wrestle with. So, Tom, we have a new class of alumni who've just been graduating over the last few months here. As they enter this new season, do you have advice that you would like to give to somebody that's just starting off their post-college life? I think I would say life doesn't need to be all that different in terms of living out your faith or the values of their faith, even though your external environment has changed. The convictions from the gospel that you learned in college, the convictions you had that you lived out as a college student, even though your external environment has changed, find ways to keep living them out. An example would be community. If that's a value that you had during college, Make choices to value community, to still live out the importance of community. It may be very countercultural. And so when you think about how people make choices for the jobs they pick, for example, the, the world will tell you, you should pick the job that gives you the most money, the most stability, the most long-term trajectory. But if your kingdom value is about community, what does it mean to pick a job based on who you could live with? and where you could live and pick a job that's convenient. So you're making your job subservient to the value of community versus the other way around. That would be one piece of advice. Second is find a context for mission. So in college, you had one, right? Maybe it was a small group you were leading. Maybe it was a corner on the campus you were reaching out to. Maybe it was your roommate. So as you graduate, find a context for mission. Maybe it might be continuing to volunteer with your university chapter. It could be that. And that would be great. Maybe it's your church, finding a church and a ministry of the church that you feel passionate about. Maybe it's the marketplace, like the examples I just gave around reaching Hewlett Packard in my office there. But find a context for mission as you graduated. Where do you want to minister? Where do you want to serve? And then third, I would say in college, we learned a lot about how to live as countercultural disciples of Jesus. And we learned how to do that at college students. And it meant maybe a certain thing in college. As you graduate again, it might be different than the world's teaching, but find a way to live out. What does it mean to countercultural disciple of Jesus now that I'm in my 20s or 30s? 
There's actually a great book. It's an older InterVarsity Press book. I highly recommend Following Jesus in the Real World by Rich Lamb, L-A-M-B. It speaks to that, but I think you're finding out like how to live in the real world with these biblical values as countercultural disciples, just like we did in college. So those would be some suggestions. That's fantastic. That last one in particular feels maybe particularly challenging right now because it feels to me like we live in an, and maybe this has been the case for everybody in ages past, I don't know, and we're just experiencing it for ourselves now, but it feels like we're living in an era where you want to be on the right side of history, you want to be on the right side of the conversation, and that so much of that is through the lens of what is culturally appropriate, what is the here and now for our culture, and that's what is best and good and right. And wow, that feels like a risky that feels like a risky invitation to continue on in countercultural discipleship. Yeah, it is hard today. I think there's a lot of fear out there. And I think there's a fear of being canceled if we're not in alignment with what the rest of the culture says. But again, these are challenges that we've had since the early church. I mean, people in the early church did not do things the way that the rest of their culture would do. And, you know, this countercultural call in the lives continues. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to be winsome. I think there's a lot of ways to be winsome and countercultural at the same time, but there will be hard choices. And I think this is where maybe in college, for some reason, it might have been easier to do. You're in an university chapter. But after we graduated, what does it mean to continue living as countercultural disciples of Christ wherever God leads us to? So, Tom, as we start to bring our time to a close here, I wonder, would you be willing to offer up some sort of a a statement of commission for our alumni before you go, something that both our youngest and our oldest alumni can take home with them today? Wow. Well, I'll maybe share a passage from scripture, if I could point to a passage, because I do view graduating and living out the gospel as alumni as a commissioning on mission so that Jesus is sending us out. We are being sent out. So what comes to mind is Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends the disciples out two by two and sends them to towns all over the place, places that he's going to be visiting, places that he's present in already. And he says a couple things that are key. You may remember this, and I'd encourage us to look at Luke 10. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So that's not exactly encouraging, I think. It's challenging. <laughs> but it's it's a reality. Jesus knows what it's like to be out in the real world, so to speak, that we will feel like lambs among wolves. And that's what he's sending us out to. He knows that. He knows that. And then he says, when he sends them out, he says, don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. You know, he's basically saying, when you're out there, like lambs among wolves, all by yourself, depend on the Lord. You don't need a purse or a bag or sandals. Just depend on Jesus. Just depend on the Lord. Our dependency is on him no matter what stage of life we're at. Even when we're out of college, that same dependency is on the Lord. And then he focuses our purpose. This is the last thing I'll say. He gives them two commands. Heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. Heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's our simple job as we graduate from college, as we're an older alumni or younger alumni, and it's always been true for generations and will be the rest of our lives. Heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God, caring about the overall healing of the people around us, physical healing, but also the spiritual healing. So I want to offer that up and maybe I can say a prayer for all of those who are listening today. Lord, we give you thanks for the ways that you've shaped us ministered to us that we've received from you while we were students. And 
Lord, I just want to bless those who are listening today who are either recent graduates or maybe who have been graduated for a long time now. But we hear that your commission is still the same. You send us out to every context in the world that you've placed us in, wherever that might be, in our neighborhoods, in our marketplaces, in our families, at InterVarsity chapters we volunteer at, in our churches, in our workplaces. Lord, you send us out like lambs among wolves, but we don't need to worry. We depend on you fully. We don't need to take a purse or a bag or sandals. We don't need a bunch of stuff. We just need you. We declare our dependence on you, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that as we depend on you. You would come through for us. We would see your work vividly in our lives in front of us. And then, Lord, you would focus us in this season to know what it means to heal the sick and to proclaim the kingdom of God. Lord, give us opportunities to heal those around us and to proclaim your kingdom faithfully, Lord, wherever you send us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that you have lots of irons in the fire. So this time, is a significant investment. And so I want to recognize that. And I'm really grateful for you giving us your time and your attention today. It's been fun to get to chat with you. And I know this will be an encouragement to alumni and to staff and to everyone else who gets to listen to it. Thanks so much for being here today, Tom. Thank you, John. Great being with you. As I reflect on Tom's closing words, I can't help but think that this is what we mean, at least in part, when we talk about being developed into world changers. We walk through this post-college life as sheep among wolves, as people who are fundamentally different from the world that surrounds us. And as we recognize what can feel like a very real predator-prey relationship, we choose a posture of faithful dependence on Jesus as our provider and protector, rather than one of fear or conformity with the world. And this reliance on Jesus is not for us to just safely segregate ourselves from the world, but to engage with it as agents of healing and proclaimers of the coming kingdom in his name. It's risky and it's countercultural, but this is what we spent all those years preparing for with our chapter, a life on mission with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, Tom, and for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Come on back anytime, please. And if any of you are interested in the book Tom recommended, Following Jesus in the Real World by Rich Lamb, you can find a link to it in the show notes. And don't forget, as an alum, you get 40% off all IVP books for life. So if you haven't signed up for that perk, you can also find a link in the show notes to get registered. Enjoy. All right, that's a wrap for this week. Come on back next time as we jump into a conversation about grad school with SUNY Geneseo alumna and past guest Chioma. That's right, Chioma is going to join us again for a couple episodes of the podcast about some helpful skills for navigating your grad school experience well. So if you're somewhere in the timeline of thinking about, applying for, starting, or going back to grad school, or if you know someone who is, these next couple episodes are for you. I look forward to seeing you then. And in the meantime, thanks for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. All right. Until next time, I'll see you in the after, alumni.